a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to it? And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants the data seminary and hotline right there. Hey, it's another time for Table Talk Radio. This is a special Vickers versus Pastors edition. <laughs> I love it. Joining me in Vickers studio, versus Pastors. Yeah, that's right. Joining me in studio is Vicar Mark Pearson. He's a vicar at University Lutheran Chapel in Los Angeles and uh, ministry to uh, UCLA there. And uh, Mark has got his, his master's degree in Reformation Theology from Concordia, Irvine. Mark, thanks for joining us. Evan, thanks for having me. It's nice to join a fellow vicar. All right. So uh, we're going to dominate Pastor Wolfmiller today in these games. Uh, that's after we talk about this new movie, the, the uh, what is that called again? <laughs> Zeitgeist. 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 That's I, right. By the way, it's not really fair because we, uh, in, um, in our uh, anthropology, our Lutheran anthropology, a vicar is equivalent to about one-third of a normal human being. Uh, so still you guys aren't quite matched. This is that, that lowly pastor approach that uh, Pastor Wolfman is taking. I think this is simply the German approach that he's taking. <laughs> See, Mark knows the truth of my statement. <laughs> so uh, after we get done talking about the Zeitgeist movie, we're going to be playing the casual apologetics conversation game. And, the, and uh, I think that's all... If we have some time, we'll do some law gospel. I don't think we'll have some time. So, uh, but first, we gotta do some buzzwords. Yeah. So the the buzzword I have for you today, Pastor Wolfmiller, is Advent, and Advent means simply means coming, and uh, we refer to it. Uh, well, it's, it's the season before the the season in the church here right before Christmas. Um, so and so we anticipate the coming of our Lord, um, but also we anticipate the coming of our all the comings of our Lord. So we, we anticipate the coming uh, of of uh, Christ in the in the end of the age in which uh, uh, everyone will rise from the dead, and uh, we'll, the, the those who have faith in Christ will be ushered into heaven. So that's Advent. Yes. So Jesus has come in the incarnation when he came to die. He continues to come in his word and in his sacraments, and he will come again at the end of the age for the great judgment day. So the, this threefold aspect of Advent, marvelous. For you, the buzzword I have is Gnosticism. Uh, this is an, a kind of an ancient parasitic ideology that clings to all sorts of different religions, but it's kind of the main tenet of Gnosticism is that the the world is a duality. I mean, if you get into the old classic Valentinian Gnostics, they talk about all these gods emanating from the eons and all and all this kind of crazy stuff. But basically, it boils down to this idea that the earth and the flesh and everything physical is evil, and only things that are spiritual are good. 
So you have this dualism between the spiritually uh, good stuff and the physically bad stuff. That's Gnosticism. You know, we just had that word like two weeks ago, but okay, sure. What? It's not on the thing. I checked on That's the... That's because it hasn't aired yet. <laughs> oh, man. That's okay. That's okay. Did you get points for it then? Yeah. Remember you, you wanted me to use... Uh, whose name did you want me to use? Marcion. You want Marcion. me to talk about Marcion. That's okay. I'll, I'll get it again. No worries. <laughs> I, I have no problem getting more points. I even checked to see if we'd used it yet. That's how thorough I was trying to be. <laughs> Evidently, you have a short-term memory. I do. But uh, both vicars here, uh, Mark Pearson, can also uh, chime in with the buzzword if he uses it in his conversation as well. Right. By the way, right. that is uh, that is how it works. If you use the the buzzword in conversation, you get up to 500 points, depending on how naturally it's used in the conversation. Well, before we get uh, things in full swing here, we do want to uh, make a, a little bit of an appeal to our listeners. We have it. Oh a, yeah, Table a, Talk Radio roll call. <laughs> Why don't you explain what, what, what's going on here? Well, we want to know who you guys are. We want to, we know who two of our listeners are, and we want to figure out who the third one is. So if you're listening to the show, we'd love you to uh, announce yourself. There's a number of different ways you can do this. Uh, you can send us an email at our email address. which You is... don't know any of our contact information. <laughs> you... <laughs> well, you can just send it to, even though it's not a question, you can send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org. Or you could also call our 800 number, which is... Eight six six eight five one five five two three. We you just you just posted this new table scraps with uh, Pastor Stephen Parks on uh, our website, and yep. I was listening how you close the show, and you're like, oh, you can call our number. I have no idea what it is, but you can call it. <laughs> That's right. Or the third thing you can do is on our new website, you can go to the podcast page, and there's the audio that uh, that you're listening to right now. You'll find that there, and you can leave a comment after the audio. There's a section for leaving comments, so you can announce yourself there. And especially if you're listening in Colorado to one of our over-the-air stations, either in Denver or in Yuma, we'd really love to hear from you uh, to know that you're out there and that you're listening. But also if, if you're listening on Pirate Christian Radio or if you podcast the show, uh, we'd love to know then. And I think Evan's going to uh, – we're going to take all the names that are submitted and have a drawing. Is this true? That's right. And so uh, up for grabs here is your very own Table Talk Radio T-shirt. Um, right. I have I have all kinds. I have the Table Talk Radio maternity shirt. Um, I have the I Don't Want to Be a Gnostic T-shirt. Um, <laughs> the, the hey, hey, hey. That's a buzzword already. <laughs> you caught it. <laughs> I'm going to give you 20 points for that. 20? Come on. All right, 200. All right. Okay, anyway. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, that's what's up for grabs here. So send in, send in your uh, name and and uh, where you're listening from and how you listen, and uh, then we will uh, send you uh, – we're going to draw names out and, and send a shirt to one lucky listener. Um, and again, that's uh, through our email, questions at tabletalkradio.org, our phone number, 866-851-5523. Uh, or on our website, click on the podcast page and leave a comment for show number 74. All right. Well, I, I want to bring uh, Vicar Mark Pearson into the conversation here then. Tell us a little bit about what you do out there in California. Oh, thanks. Now I can do my shameless plug. Yeah, hey, right. <laughs> um, the campus ministry there is uh, I'm under Pastor Mark Jasa. And we are unique in the sense that uh, while there are various campus ministries, that is our primary focus. And so, oh, wait, we... wait, are you saying that there's two marks in the church? Yes. 
and people get cute and call us the Mark and Mark show. But um, I, I was going to say that you know because we do have this doctrine of the two marks of the church, which is uh, very Lutheran: the gospel rightly preached and the sacraments rightly administered. So. Well, yeah, but if you keep reading, Luther goes on to say things that you know, like there's a pastor. That's a mark too. It's like, ah, come on, Luther. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that was going to be funnier than it was, but it wasn't. Go on, Mark. Are you are you bagging on me on my first time on the air? <laughs> no, no. Well, I was just you, trying to make a joke at your expense, but it apparently didn't work. <laughs> um, Pastor Jason and I go on to campus um, on average three, four times a week, and we sit out there with a table. And actually, all it is is us, a table, two chairs, and a sign. And our sign says, "Religion is for the weak." And you know, UCLA, there are about forty thousand students who go there, including grad students, and so. Plenty of people walk by us. A lot of them ignore us. Some of them give us a thumbs up. Some of them give us another finger. Um, <laughs> kind of depends. But it is actually a, a very um, useful way to engage people in conversation. People come up to us and want to talk, and they want to have conversations that last more than five minutes. I'd say on average our conversation lasts about a half hour. And so we give them the typical um, proclamation of the gospel. Jesus is your Savior. You don't have to worry about death. You don't have to worry about guilt. Uh, Christ paid for it all for you. And that's sort of the existential side. What do I need? I need to be rescued from death. I need to be rescued from guilt. I can't solve that problem myself. Jesus has solved it. And then that sometimes moves over to the intellectual side of things. Is it true? And we kind of let the person dictate where they want to go. Um, but the conversations are usually quite fruitful. And I must say, and I'm not just saying this because he's my supervisor, but Pastor Mark Jasa is the best evangelist I have ever seen when it comes to doing it on the street um, no preparation, talk to someone from any background, and he presents Christ clearly. I'm, I'm sitting next to him, listening to him, and I'm thinking, gosh, this sounds really good. Um, the atheist, the Hindu, the Mormon, the whatever, um, hears, if nothing else, hears the clear gospel message. Jesus is your Savior. And, of course, in Southern California, I mean, we are, you know, that's where Rick Warren is. That's where Fuller Seminary is. And so people are used to saying, you need to submit your life to Jesus. You need to make him the Lord of your life. You need to open your heart and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. We don't do any of that. And so this is so novel to the people because they expect, once they find out that we're Christians, they expect us to give them some sort of thing where it's like, okay, now it's your turn to make a decision for Jesus. And we don't. And we tell them Jesus made a decision for you. Now for us Lutherans, that's old news. We've heard that a million times. These people have never heard that before. They want to know what the strange new teaching is called the good news. Right. Well, just out of curiosity, when you ha- you're sitting there with your with your sign on the campus of UCLA, what's maybe the most common uh, thing that people come up and, and say to you when you when you are? I mean, what, what are they interpreting the sign as? What, what's the, what's the opening line that people come up and say? The opening line usually is, "What is this?" Uh, <laughs> um, some people want to know if it's a club they can join. Um, some people are have, have seen us there. They walk by us often enough, and they finally get the courage or have the time to come ask us what's going on. But they're just curious at first, and so then we use that opportunity and uh, proclaim Christ to them. And but most of them do not just walk away or, or you know swear at us or whatever. They actually want to listen. So it's a good tool. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for the first segment. We will uh, be talking about this new Zeitgeist movie, uh, talking about the. Uh, myths of ancient Egypt and did they somehow play a role in providing information for Christianity facts for Christianity we'll talk about that right after this break don't go away for more Table Talk Radio
Everyone's favorite critical event. Table Talk Radio will be right back. Hi, this is Evan Gigline. Thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you ever wanted to be a radio clown yourself? Now you can with the Table Talk Radio Reformation Glee Club membership. This is my favorite Reformation Glee Club. Really? Tell them how we uh, sign up for the Reformation Glee Club. Yeah, why don't you tell them that, Evan? Oh, well, you just go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and click the support tab. Why don't you tell us uh, the different levels? Uh, yeah, why don't, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> okay, well, there's the radio clown, the table talk radio pietist, the iron listener, or the theological bull rider. Yeah. Why don't you tell them what we get? Uh, yeah, why, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> well, if you sign up for the Reformation Glee Club, you get table talk radio points for every dollar you donate. Oh, nice. Love those radio points. We really do appreciate all the support for Table Talk Radio so we can continue to bring you everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. Yeah. Love is my religion. Love is my religion. This song is legalistic. <laughs> Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're here with Vicar Mark Pearson telling us about his uh, campus ministry out on U, uh, UCLA. I know, uh, Mark, that Evan is anxious to talk about this zeitgeist thing, but because I've never heard about it, I'm going to delay the conversation. By you, you mentioned that the sign you guys have out there on campus was religion is for the weak, and I suspect that a lot of people would assume that this is an, uh, an anti-Christian message, but you guys are doing it in order to open up the, converse, the Christian conversation. But uh, Why have you found that particular sign or slogan to be helpful, religion is for the weak? Well, it's simply a, it's actually a marketing thing. We have, Pastor Jason has tried other signs, um, good news for bad people. I don't remember what some of the others are. God is dead. Um, and this one actually attracts the most people. But when we say religion is for the weak, we mean it. And we talk about how throughout history, man has universal problems. You know, whether, whether it's today, whether it's a thousand years ago, whether you're in China, it doesn't matter. You're going to die. You have guilt. You're weak because you can't solve these problems. And so people invent religions to deal with these universal problems. And then we explain, but the religions don't really handle the problem either because all religions are basically transactional in that if you do X, then maybe cross your fingers, hope, say some prayers, your deity of choice will reward you in the end. But you still have no assurance of that. If you ask a Buddhist, a Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness, a Muslim, specifically what will happen to you when you die, they can't tell you. They can give you some scenario what happens at death. But if you ask that individual what will happen to you, they can't tell you. And so we are all weak. Christians are weak, too. We're all weak. We cannot solve these problems. Hence, we need a Savior. So that's our segue. I, I like it. So the weakness there allows you to get into a conversation of the of the sinful... Uh, uh the sinful heart of man. Yes, and um, most people are tracking with us at that point. I have we did we do meet people who say that death is not a problem, um, which I think is just intellectually dishonest. Um, <laughs> in fact, there was one girl uh, I will not forget this for the rest of my life. She told me that death is not a problem. We just have this emotional attachment to people, and so uh, when they die, we feel sad, but it doesn't mean anything. And I asked her. I said, "Well, have you ever been to a funeral?" And she said, "Yes." I said, "Whose funeral?" She said, "Well, my grandfather's." And I said, was that a happy time? And she started remembering the funeral and her grandfather, and she started crying. And as she was crying, she told me again, but death is still not a problem. 
Yeah. Wow. I remember when uh, Pastor Melius and I, I think we talked about this on air a long time ago, we went to visit the local atheist club. And this is really, I think, the place where we start. Um, because they're trying to sort out... Uh, in fact, I think uh, that that evolution has captured the imagination of the atheist because it manages to make death a useful thing. I mean, it's a fraud uh, and a lie, but it, it says that, hey, there's some purpose to death, that it's part of the process of everything getting better. And I think this is the power of the, of the myth of... Uh, evolution is that it gives some sort of sense to death. It answers that 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 problem, which is a monster problem. No, that's very thank you. So religion is for the weak. Maybe we should uh, make that one of our liners, Evan. Okay, uh, yeah. Table talk radio. We can steal that. Sure. Religion is for the weak. Now, one more question for Mark. Uh, if if someone happens to be listening to this podcast or something on the internet uh, is in California near the near the campus or. Maybe someone's uh, parent is uh, is listening to the program. How can they get in touch with with uh, Lutheran University Chapel? Um, well, we have a website which isn't that well developed, but it does exist. Uh, ulcbruins dot org. Bru- the Bruin is the um, mascot of UCLA. Uh, we are right across the street from UCLA. If you're in the area at all, we're at the corner of Gailey and Strathmore. And um, Pastor Jace's email is simply Mark Jasa J A S A at gmail.com. Very good. All right, so that's how you get in touch with them. All right, now this this um, Zeitgeist movie uh, seems to be circling around the Internet, seems to be sweeping people away. Uh, Mark, will you just give us uh, kind of the the basic premise of this of this video, and uh, do we have any idea who produced it, uh, what their motive is? Um, I don't know his name. Uh, it is an individual who produced it, and there are various versions out there. Um, one of the problematic things that you ran into, Evan, is that when you search for Zeitgeist, um, I believe the initial production of Zeitgeist was a lengthy movie, which is basically a bunch of different conspiracy theories. And so if you search Zeitgeist, you'll find out that 9-11 was an inside job, or you'll find out that the Federal Reserve is ruining America. Um, but this is in different segments. Segment one was the conspiracy about Jesus, and that is what we're focusing on. And essentially it says that the Jesus figure that we all come to know as being the Christian Jesus is a ripoff has been plagiarized from ancient pagan myths, specifically um, Egyptian mythology and the god Horus. But basically it's these other cultures have their dying and rising gods born on December 25th, uh, got some followers, and so forth. And the New Testament authors just stole the story. So whether or not Jesus even existed is up for grabs, but why we believe that he is the Son of God and crucified for our sins and rose from the dead is because that story's been around for a while. The New Testament authors just took it and made it their own. All right, let's let's hear a clip from this uh, from this movie Zeitgeist, and this is uh, as you just mentioned uh, the the uh, events surrounding Horus. From the ancient hieroglyphics in Egypt, we know much about the solar messiah. For instance, Horus, being the sun or the light, had an enemy known as Set, and Set was the personification of the darkness or night. And metaphorically speaking, every morning Horus would win the battle against Set while in the evening, Set would conquer Horus and send him into the underworld. It is important to note that dark versus light, or good versus evil, is one of the most ubiquitous mythological dualities ever known, and is still expressed on many levels to this day. Broadly speaking, the story of Horus is as follows. Horus was born on December 25th of the virgin Isis, Mary. His birth was accompanied by a star in the east, which, in turn, three kings followed to locate and adorn the newborn savior. 
At the age of 12, he was a prodigal child teacher. And at the age of 30, he was baptized by a figure known as Anup, and thus began his ministry. Horace had 12 disciples he traveled about with, performing miracles such as healing the sick and walking on water. Horace was known by many gestural names such as the Truth, the Light, God's Anointed Son, the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God, and many others. After being betrayed by Typhon, Horus was crucified, buried for three days, and thus resurrected. All right, so uh, it sounds a lot like like Horus is kind of the the all the information provided for what we get in the Gospels for for Jesus Christ is um, is what was cited just now factually true. <laughs> um, no, it sounds like the Jesus story because it is the Jesus story. <laughs> This is not the case for Horace. And first, I think we should point out that in in the movie Zeitgeist, in this homemade movie, um, there are sources listed, which makes it seem credible. But when you look at the sources, none of them, none of the eight sources given on Horace are primary source material. Usually they're secondary at best by people who are not Egyptologists, who are not uh, experts on ancient religion. Some of them are just anonymous web pages. And so if you don't check your footnotes, you find um, this compelling, I guess. But really, there's not much going on here. Um, there's so much to uh, dissect. I don't, I'm, I'll just pick a few. For one, you notice at the beginning he says um, the solar messiah. Uh, messiah is strictly a Jewish concept. The Egyptians were not waiting for an anointed one, uh, a new King David. That is simply the Jews who were. Um, they mentioned that he was born on December 25th. Um, for one, Christians didn't claim Jesus was born on t- December 25th ever. They simply used that for convenience a few hundred years later. And December is a Latin month, not an Egyptian month. So I doubt that anyone would say Horus <laughs> was born on December 25th. Horus was not crucified, and he was not resurrected. Osiris was killed. Osiris was chopped into pieces and thrown either, some sources say, into the Nile or around the world. And Osiris was later put back together, or at least 13 of the 14 pieces were put back together. And he was resuscitated, but that all happened in the netherworld. He became god of the underworld. None of that, whether it's Horus or Osiris or any of these Egyptian mythologies, none of them are said to have taken place in actual time and space where there are eyewitnesses saying, we saw this with our own eyes and were willing to die for it. Contrast that with the New Testament where the authors claim again and again, we have seen this ourselves. And, of course, they went to their for it wow okay well we have one more clip let's uh or i we have several more clips but maybe one more for this segment let's play the next clip about zeitgeist the star in the east is sirius the brightest star in the night sky which on december 24th aligns with the three brightest stars in orion's belt these three bright stars in orion's belt are called today what they were called in ancient times the three kings and the three kings and the brightest star sirius all point to the place of the sunrise on December 25th. This is why the three kings follow the star in the east, in order to locate the sunrise, the birth of the sun. The Virgin Mary is the constellation Virgo, also known as Virgo the Virgin. Virgo in Latin means virgin. The ancient glyph for Virgo is the altered M. This is why Mary, along with other virgin mothers, such as Adonis' mother Myra, or Buddha's mother Maya, begin with an M. Virgo is also referred to as the house of bread, and the representation of Virgo is a virgin holding a sheaf of wheat. 
This house of bread and its symbol of wheat represents August and September, the time of harvest. In turn, Bethlehem, in fact, literally translates to house of bread. Bethlehem is thus a reference to the constellation Virgo, a place in the sky, not on Earth. All right, and Mark, I <laughs> and I apologize. We uh, are up against our next break. We'll get your response to that last clip right when we come back from this commercial break. Don't go. We were talking about this movie sweeping the internet. Uh, is Christianity disproved because of the Zeitgeist movie? Uh, conspiracies from Egyptian mythology uh, providing the facts for Christianity. We'll talk more about that right after this break. Table Talk Radio. The games are just an excuse. I don't have a closet religion. I can't hide the God I serve. I've got to let the world know wherever I Sirius, the brightest star in the night sky, which on December 24th aligns with the three brightest stars in Orion's belt. These three bright stars in Orion's belt are called today what they were called in ancient times, the Three Kings. All right, well, that's a claim from the Zeitgeist movie. Pastor, we need to crunch that song with the praise song crunched here. Yes, in the background. <laughs> All right, well. You don't want to crunch it too hard because whoever's singing that song, Evan, might be single. So you don't want to <laughs> blow your chances. Right. I, uh, I don't know how the stars align. I mean, yeah, I know the planets move around in the sky, but how does one star move around and get aligned with three others? This whole zeitgeist thing, I think, is, like we said in the break, it's like intellectual freefall. <laughs> well, regardless of the location of the stars in the sky, I think... The, the average person probably thinks that Christians believe three kings came to visit baby Jesus, but in fact it never says that three kings came. It mentions um, these people with three gifts. And so, um, I mean, legend has crept up and we have names for these people now and so forth. But, I mean, the actual text makes no mention of three people. It has three different types of gifts. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you make of this uh, claim that Buddha was also born of a virgin? Uh, well, in general, with especially with zeitgeist, these things that sound similar, if you do your digging, they're not similar. I mean, the average person in the West realizes virgin birth. Oh, that's Jesus, right? And so that if you can say someone else had a virgin birth, that somehow causes problems for the Jesus story? I'm not sure. But for one, for Buddha, first keep in mind, the, the story of a virgin birth, as it's called, doesn't exist for 500 years until after Buddha. So that would make it historically um, problematic. But the reason it's called a virgin birth is because apparently Buddha descended in the form of a white elephant and entered his mother. Um, Virgin, though? No, his mother was not a virgin. So 
you know, but wait, but wait. He the guy said her name started with an M, meaning she's a virgin. <laughs> well, that I, that I'm curious about too because uh, they're using a different alphabet. I don't know if you've seen uh, Eastern characters; they don't really form M's. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, don't don't trouble us with the facts. Well, and, I'm busy and, being de-enlightened. <laughs> well, on our break, you even mentioned you know this would mean that what Bethlehem isn't a real place. Yeah, that's um, right. yes, it is a real place, and of course, again, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, and so would the authors really be ripping off pagan accounts, or I mean, if anything. <laughs> You need a Jewish Messiah, so Micah 5.12 says the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 7.14 says he'll be born of a virgin. So this is simply fulfilled Jewish prophecy. I wish I would have known when I was over in Jerusalem. I met this gardener. We were pretty big, good friends. That We had a few days, and we sat and talked with each other. And he was from Bethlehem, and I was supposed to go to his uh, visit his home, and but they closed the border down. But I, if I would have known this zeitgeist, I could have said, you're from the constellation Virgo? <laughs> Space traveler. <laughs> now, Mark, speak to this this tactic, if you will, of just you know, drawing similarities and, and showing, well, this is similar to this, so therefore... Uh, one one has to be a copy of the other. Well, there's a logical fallacy called, in the Latin, post hoc ergo propter hoc, which is simply after this, therefore because of this. Meaning if there are similarities, then the one that's later must have been stolen from the further, which that's not a very good way to determine what actually happened. You need a method in place before you do your investigation that you know is reliable. So, if you I, By to- the way, Mark, I'm giving you 500 points for saying post hoc whatever else came after that. Well, um, Ergo then, very, then very quickly, Advent, Advent, Advent. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if, if you apply the same standard to something that we actually know is historical, you're going to have serious problems. Um, and this is the example I use because uh, as, as little as people seem to know about history these days, they do know of someone named Abraham Lincoln and someone else named John Fitzgerald Kennedy. The similarities between their lives are astonishing, but if you're going to apply the same standard, you're going to have to say there was no JFK or there are simply myths about him so we don't know anything about him. For example, Lincoln and Kennedy were both elected to Congress in the year 46. Now, 1846 for Lincoln, 1946 for Kennedy, but nonetheless 46, and both became president in the year 60. Both had lazy eye muscles, which would cause one eye to wander. Both were the second sons in their families. Each lost a sister to death before becoming president. Both of these men married 24-year-old brunettes who had been previously engaged to other men and who spoke French fluently. Both had a child die while living in the White House. Both were advised not to go to the place where they died beforehand. Both Lincoln's theater box and Kennedy's car were altered for their benefit. Lincoln's theater box had something removed beforehand um, to accommodate his party. Kennedy's car was raised. The seat was raised. Um, both of them were slain on a Friday before a major holiday. Uh, Lincoln was killed the Friday before Easter, Kennedy the Friday before Thanksgiving. Um, both were shot supposedly from behind in the head, and both of their wives cradled their husband's head after they were shot. Now, the apparent assassin of Lincoln, John Wilkes Booth, he shot from inside of a theater and ran to a warehouse. The supposed assassin of Kennedy, Lee Harvey Oswald, shot from a warehouse and ran to a theater. Mm. Um, I mean, Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln and so forth. I mean, there are more than these. But if you keep going on, you say, well, 
Lincoln preceded Kennedy. I see what happened. The Democrats were in serious need of a martyr figure. So they invented JFK, <laughs> and of course Lincoln is a, a hero, so they borrowed as much of the story as they could and created John Fitzgerald Kennedy, who to this day many people idolize as a messiah. <laughs> If you're going to apply the same standard as you would for the zeitgeist thing, you have to reach the same conclusion about Kennedy. Right. Okay, so, Mark, tell me, you're, you're, you're sitting on the campus of UCLA. You have your sign there that says, Religion is for the weak. And someone comes up and says, uh, You Christians don't know what you're talking about. Haven't you seen this zeitgeist movie that, that shows uh, that Christianity is just made up? It's a big myth. What's your response to this uh, UCLA student? Um, after I try to conceal my laughter... I, I will either actually lament out loud, like, really? A, a YouTube video convinced you? Wow, that's astonishing. Um, I, I'll push them on it and, and let them see that their beliefs are against Christianity have no basis. I will say, really? And did you look at the sources quoted in Zeitgeist? And they'll even ask for specifics because they probably don't have the Zeitgeist thing memorized. And I will start to bust out actual historical facts. And we, have, we do have some books with us, um, not necessarily pro-Christian books, but just history books. And we can say, look, this is an unbiased scholar saying these things. What are you going to believe? Some guy who made a homemade movie or someone who's a reputable scholar at a respected university? Why do you suppose that, that a, a movie like this uh, is so convincing? What, what, what do you think sells this to people? I mean, I mean, we, we watch these videos all the time, all these conspiracy theories, and it seems like people just you know, love this kind of thing. Is it just like looking for an excuse against Christianity, or what do you suppose? Well, primarily, and I, I don't... When talking to the person, I'm not going to say that you're just doing this, by the way, because of original sin. But <laughs> right. um, yeah, I think I think you know, with with the baby boomers and uh, Generation X, I mean, we have this inherent distrust of authority. We like to rebel. Um, but I find that honestly, when people reject the claims about Christ, they start with the conclusion that it's false. They cherry pick whatever evidence they can to fit their c- conclusion. And so a movie like this is just perfect for someone who wants a reason. I'm looking for a reason to deny this whole Jesus stuff. Zeitgeist fits right into that for them. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, up next, we're, we're doing some uh, casual apologetics game. Uh, Pastor, how does, how does this game work? Uh, let's see. We set up a situation and um, uh, a conversation. We start a conversation, and then we hand it off to the other person to identify the worldview from which the person comes, and then to uh, sketch out a conversation or some questions that we might ask to uh, uh, to bring about a conversation in which we might, Lord willing, be able to speak both law and gospel. And are there points involved in oh, this Oh, there's always points on Table Talk Radio. <laughs> What is the score, uh, by the way? I think I have. You gave me 200. 200. 500 for Mark. Do you have any points, Pastor? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm saving like the Indi- uh, Indianapolis Colts. I'm saving it all to the last quarter. <laughs> very I'll come good. charging back. Uh, so I, I apparently didn't have very good clock management here. We have two minutes left. Uh, Mark, any final thoughts on Zeitgeist? <laughs> <laughs> um, don't believe everything you see on the internet. I suppose, I mean, you can make a YouTube video saying anything you want. Uh, please do your research, check the footnotes, and so forth. Now, I, I assume most listeners here would do that, but the average person won't, frankly. So um, that's one thing where I think Christians need to maybe, frankly, get off their butt and uh, do some of their homework so that way they can, in fact, refute those who rely on a silly YouTube video. Right. Okay, well, uh, we'll we'll do some casual apologetics right after this break. Uh, you can 
you remember we have this this table talk radio roll call. If you uh, send in your name uh, and num or not number, don't send in a, don't send us your number <laughs> unless that, you want Evan to call <laughs> oh, you I knew back. You were gonna say that. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> send us your uh, name and where you're where you're listening from and how you listen to table talk radio. You can do this by calling eight six six eight five one. Five five two three, or you can uh, send us an email questions at tabletalkradio.org or lastly on our podcast page you can leave a comment under show number 74 and up for grabs is a your very own Table Talk Radio t-shirt for the lucky Table Talk Radio listener that, uh, that, that, that wins this special prize now, next up we got the casual apologetics conversation game on Table Talk Radio affectionately known as CACA and it's Vickers versus Pastor. We'll see who comes yeah, out on top. Down. Now we get to carry in our points. So uh, Mark and I together has 700 points against Pastor's zero. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. <laughs> Ask me why, but you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. That was uh, Pastor no Wolfner's pick for the bump in music. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. That's a great song. <laughs> Casual apologetics conversation <laughs> game is what we're playing on Table Talk Radio, and uh, that's right. And how this works is as we give each other a conversation uh, that is popping up, and then uh, what what worldview is this person speaking from, and and what are some questions you would you'd follow up with to uh, further the conversation. And this is Vickers versus Pastor, and so uh, Pastor, you can go first in giving us your conversation, and then uh, we'll return the favor. I uh, I'll tell you a real story uh, that I, a real conversation that I had with a person when I myself was in college studying literature at the University of New Mexico and we're sitting there after this mythology class and I'm talking to this guy and he's got a beard he's got a ponytail here and he he was really into this stuff so we're talking after class and uh, and he says he said to me hey I heard you mention the Bible and I said yeah and he says have you read the Bible and I and I said, yeah, I, I I have. And he said, well, have you seen this book of Revelation at the end of the Bible? And I said, sure, of course. Uh, why? Are you interested in that? He says, oh, I love that book. That's the most amazing book. That book is the uh, is the secret knowledge of the cult of the magic mushroom. <laughs> okay, so that's it. That, so now that, go. that was the real conversation. Yeah, that's how it goes. And we talked for about an hour about the magic mushroom in, uh, uh, because John was apparently on a mushroom trip, you see, when he had all these visions about all about the secrets of the world. So so there you go. Well, with, when you talk about this, this secret knowledge, it sounds really Gnostic. This, you, know, that you can't have points around. again for that. Oh, come on. Um, I don't know. Mark, what's your reaction? <laughs> well, um, we, we do run into people who are high and... Uh, <laughs> on campus there and uh, <laughs> we, we actually try to divert our our attention to those who are not high so um we did have a gentleman come in um, not too long ago who was um complete i mean he was like 50 years old but he was a complete pothead 
And um, yeah, you know, what if what if God's an alien? Like, yeah, what if? I don't know. I mean, how, how much rational conversation can you have with someone like that? So, well, you, Pastor, actually talked to this guy for an hour, which uh, yeah. I will award you uh, ten table talk radio points for having an hour conversation with this guy. Um, yeah, we did talk a long time. You, uh, what you want to, I think, do in this sort of situation, there is, by the way, this uh, kind of connection with. Uh, kind of religious vision and drug use so that people will often claim that the prophets saw their visions and things because they were uh, in an altered state of consciousness and a lot of people see this altered state of consciousness as a religious experience you know what i'm talking about yeah i haven't heard people say that for the prophets and their visions but i actually have had quite a few people tell me that that is the reason why people believe that jesus did miracles is because that they were high yeah, yeah, it's so much more it's, easy to believe when you're, you know, you're toked or something. <laughs> it is a strange story, but we, we, I think the strategy with this guy was to go to the text. I think the more and more I, I think about this, the, the more and more I think how important it is. Whenever we're uh, someone that comes along with some sort of goofy or wrong or uh, teaching or doctrine or something, is that we go straight to the scripture text. I mean, even say, where do you see that in the text? And so you can go to the very words, so that now you have now you have a place to start. And especially with the Book of Revelation, we it's it's really great. Because what's being revealed there is not the inner workings of the magic mushroom cult, but Jesus. I mean, that's what John says in the very beginning, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that if we can get to the words of the text, we can say, uh, look, friend, I don't know what kind of strange sort of th- experience you've had with uh, with whatever, uh, but, but why don't we just take a look at this word here and this word there and see if we can, as normal people, read this as normal words and see if it's actually saying anything. Did did he have any um, argument or any kind of evidence for his position? I mean, well, I mean, one of the yeah. one of the steps in having this conversation is is you know where, how did you come to that conclusion? So how would how would this person have asked answered that question? Well, I don't know. I can't. I mean, this was a long time ago, but I remember that every little piece of um, of the visions in the in the revelation uh, was something. Uh, stood for something else. So the beast stood for the police or the government that tries to make mushroom tripping illegal. And uh, uh, and and uh, and the angels uh, were all of the people who were uh, high because they're floating around in this bodiless form and and all this sort of stuff. So each thing had a symbol of something else. And it was it was really a Gnostic reading of the text. It's it wasn't a plain reading. The Gnostics are not interested in plain readings. They're always interested in the secret meaning of the text. Um, but uh, but we have to always. Uh, Always direct our attention and our conversation to the plain meaning of the text with the plain words. So. Okay, well, if that hadn't been a real conversation, I would have decried its entry for the casual apologetics conversation game. <laughs> um, that was weird. Okay. Well, uh, Mark. Yeah, you were telling me it was weird. I had to. You got to check yourself after conversations like that and say, was that real? I mean, that's, that's a strange one. Well, I have I don't one. Know why I always run into these goofy, strange people, too. I don't. You're then, like a magnet. <laughs> Maybe so. A magnet for strange people. That's what I thought when you called and said, hey, you want to do a show <laughs> called Table Talk Radio? You called me, I think. I think that's how it Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I have an entry for Pastor, unless you you have one in mind that you want to give him for for this casual apologetics conversation game. Have you talked to any mushroom people or anything like that you want to? Um, not mushroom people, per se. Um 
I, I did run into a woman who told me that she was a Baptist and then became a Muslim and then became a Hindu and then became a Jehovah's Witness. And what she is currently makes all of those okay to be at the same time. Hmm. Whoa. So she was a Baptist, then a Muslim, and then a Hindu. And we need a flow chart here. And then I'm writing all this down. And then a JW, J-Dub. And, and then now she's an everything. Well, she I, she didn't say she's an everything, um, but she, she, she thinks that all the um, major religious figures throughout history are really the same person. Yes, isn't it? This is kind of the zeitgeist business, uh, or uh, the kind of how do you say in German? You probably know this, Mark. The history of religion. Um, uh, religion Geschichte. Yeah, that's right. There's, there's this whole school of thought that that uh, it's kind of applying evolution to doctrine, and says that we're um, that they, they're all coming from the same source, and they branch out in different ways, but they're really all the same sort of thing. So that there's a nugget of truth contained in every different confession. Um, I think the conversation for the because there are similarities between uh, between Baptists and Muslims, and between Hindus and Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, that's fine. Uh, but that's not the interesting thing. The interesting thing is the differences between them, and especially the differences between Jesus and all the other major religious figures. So I think in this, in these sorts of conversations, we we maybe have to offer an apologetic for the differences. Uh, I mean, we can we can uh, concede that there's a lot of similarities in all the different religions, but but if nothing else, it's boring to look at those things um, and not particularly helpful. The where the real conversation is in in what's the difference, and and we could even ask them the question: uh, What was different between being a Muslim and a Jehovah Witness, or between being a Hindu and a Baptist? Uh, and uh, to begin to offer uh, her an opportunity to see the differences, and then to say uh, simply, uh, the Muslims, for example, believe that um, that Jesus wasn't God, while the Baptists do. The Jehovah's Witness and the Hindus, uh, really, in a way, uh, kind of have uh, because the Jehovah's Witnesses are Aryans. They also reject the deity of Christ, although the Hindus have any multiple. God's. You see these differences, how can you settle those? And when we come to the scriptures, we see the truth is that there is one true God uh, whose Son, uh, the Son of God, Jesus, who's also God, uh, came down into our flesh and our sin and our death to die for us, and that uh, and that, that truth, uh, which is rejected by every other religion, is the one truth that saves. I would uh, concur. I, this woman, actually, she was Baha'i, and... Um, Baha'i is kind of like you have nine religions in one. Um, but I think that's very important to stress because today it's so common to think that all religions basically teach the same thing with some su subtle nuances here and there. But if you push people on it and make them admit or at least recognize if they haven't recognized, they are f different at the fundamental level of what makes them a religion. Who is God? What is man? What is evil? What happens when you die? And so forth. They have completely different answers. So I don't know why people think they all say roughly the same thing. They don't. And, of course, uh, Christianity is unique in that nobody is claiming to save you besides Jesus Christ. Muhammad, no. Confucius, no. Joseph Smith, no. I mean, these are nice teachers of a sort, but only Jesus makes the claim to be your savior. Uh, furthermore, uh, all these other religions are pushing for something that uh, man must do then to enter uh, the afterlife or the nirvana or whatever the this paradise is. Uh, Christianity is also the only one where 
everything is done for you. It's, that that salvation then is is your free gift. Um, like you were saying that, that the students you talked to are used to hearing, you know, from the Rick Warren type saying, you know, you must do this now, accept this. Well, that's not the central message of, of Christianity, but rather that that Christ has done everything for you uh, in your stead because humankind cannot do cannot do it. Yeah, if the, if the onus is on me, then that's not really good news, however you want to phrase it. Even if that's me opening my heart to Jesus and going to an altar call, that's not very good news because I have to do something. Um, but yeah, even aside from religion or theology, simply based on the law of non-contradiction, religions cannot all be saying the same thing. They might all be wrong. They cannot all be right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you for joining us for Table Talk Radio today. Thank you, Evan. Good to be here. All right, and thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. I got an Advent joke for you. Advent, Advent. The points are like John the Baptist fashion consultants. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message 866-851-5523 be sure to check out our website tabletalkradio.org thanks for listening and tune in again next time to table talk radio